You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Alan Stone. He's one of the most positive souls in the music world, and getting to chat with him was a real treat. I've seen him in New York many times over the years, each time proving to be more joyous than the last. He's also an insanely talented singer, guitarist, and songwriter, one that's always found it easy to stay true to who he is. Within this talk, we delve into his career of the last few years, the ups and the downs, and we touch upon what's in store for the future. This is the 405 Exchange of Alan Stone. Enjoy. First things first, congratulations. I saw on Facebook that you are now an uh, engaged man. I'm engaged, yes. Dude, Locked. this is fantastic. Yeah, oh, man, it is fantastic, yeah. actually. I Like, the cliche, right, is that it's the best decision you'll ever make. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel different. I feel like yeah. um, uh, the, the decision to commit your life to somebody else who, who you love and care about is a huge commitment. But... Um, but but making that choice and and uh, getting down on one knee and doing the thing and her saying yes and her committing to it as well, our relationship has changed. It's weird. It's I think it's been like two weeks, but that's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's really beautiful to hear you say that because I'm only uh, 27, so getting close to you now age-wise. But like, I do feel like when you're in your early 20s and you're in relationships, you're dating here, here, you almost find yourself thinking like, why would I do that? Like that the mm. the concept of proposing, all that stuff. Mm. But I do think there's somehow getting a bit older where you realize like what a thing of priorities it is and what a statement it is to someone you care about like yeah, you for sure. really want to give it to them but big ups to you man that's Thank really special you, and like obviously I saw because you posted the video of you proposing on uh, social media and like I mean you must know that with posting something like that people are just going to feel something very warm so that was nice that was a very really good thing to say yeah I like to make people feel uh, feel better about life as often as I possibly can I think that's my job that's a damn good job to have yeah you know I want to jump into a lot of things with you but right now I want to ask particularly about the fact that along with this you also released a new song recently. Well, a performance of a new song. Yeah. Uh, naturally, right? Yeah, That's totally. Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me the story behind that song. So, Naturally was a song that me and my um, keyboard player, Steve Watkins, started writing back in, um, I think it's probably 2016, maybe. And then me and the band um, put the final touches on it throughout the last year or so. And uh, that song is... It's about um, expressing love and appreciation for women and and their natural beauty. Um, I think a lot in the R&B world or just a lot in like pop music in general, um, uh, it's music's a lot about sex and looking good and dressing up, which is cool. You know, it's great. You know, yeah. feel good about yourself. And but uh, I also want women to know that. Um, as a, as as a human being, I love them naturally for who they are, what they look like, yeah. um, and and what's important I think is their spirit and their personality, and um, and not so much how well they pose for pictures. Yeah, um, that to me is what I find uh, very attractive in women is their confidence and their um, personality. Um, not so much their eyeliner, yeah, or how well they um, 
you know, how big their lips are or how big their hips are. Um, it's more so about their spirit and their, their joy for life and their vigor for um, the world around them. Yeah. So as I feel like that rhetoric is not out there enough, really. I, I don't think enough people are talking about how that's a wonderful attribute of really powerful women. No, I know exactly what you're talking about, especially like like while you were saying that just now, it did hit me like how how much it makes sense what you're saying, but how almost weird in 2017 it's almost like a statement just to say that. Yeah. But I feel like many people would get what you mean, though. I think so, yeah. I think, especially nowadays, women are um, not putting up with, like, the with the skin-deep perception of what women are. I think women are much deeper than their, 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 how good their skin looks or, you know, how yeah. big their breasts are. Um, of course, right? But, yeah. but then why is that the thing that we promote so much? Why is that the... the uh, why are the celebrities that are, are, you know, essentially the people we look up to, why is that the... Um, why is sex such a rhetoric of what they attempt to sell to the mass public? And I understand it. I get it. We're sexual creatures, but yeah. I think that you know maybe there should be a little a little counter um, dialogue about what is really important for you know people like Alan Stone. You know, yeah. like I, I really love fully formed and fully functional human beings, and I think yeah. that um, just the sexual portion of the pie is not all of it yeah well i think what's really powerful what you're saying specifically is that i feel like everything you just said kind of in inundates the aspect of intimacy with human beings but when you think about uh how things are very overly commercialized and sexualized and uh perpetuated in society it's interesting how essentially an act that's so intimate that aspect of intimacy is taken out of it at mm. least when it's blown up to that context yeah that's a good point that's a very good point yeah i think you know human beings we, we live in this is crazy what's happening around us constantly is crazy like yeah. this little device that you have right here which yeah. which immortalizes this conversation forever as long yeah. as the file doesn't disappear i know isn't that it's, insane it's absurd it's in, incredible yeah. the sharing of ideas the you know selling of of whatever it is we're attempting to try and sell to each other yeah. so we can the fact you're even here in new york right now like literally the other side of the country literally flew in <laughs> like how far did we fly yesterday ty five thousand miles ten probably no not ten thousand not ten but like five thousand but it would take us in we would have died if me and him would have walked <laughs> me and tyler would have died on our way here if Definitely. we if we would have had to walk I sure. and we flew here we sat in a chair and watched I watched Netflix, like, the whole trip. <laughs> That's amazing. Really absurd. Like, yeah. we live in an incredible time, an incredible... And there's incredible opportunity all around us. But, you know, just like anything, it's like, hey, guys, maybe we should ride our bikes more because, you know, there's a lot of gasoline-powered cars and... You know, maybe we're killing the planet. You know, right? Like, just that's just that's a dialogue that is very yeah. prevalent right now, and it should be. You know, I want to bring something up to you just now. Now that you said that, and I think you would appreciate it. I was having a phone conversation with a friend of mine a few days ago, and it was one of those conversations when you find yourself just saying random stuff and just kind of like tossing ideas about. And we talked about the aspect of uh, global warming, how there's people who deny it, and we like to like sometimes look at things from the other lens and try to see what it could be. But that was where we found stumped. We found ourselves stumped because in that particular aspect. What is like? What is the conspiracy theory behind global warming? I wonder. Like, what is? Why do we want? Like, if they're if it's fake, why do we want people to believe it? Like, from that angle, no, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I think the people attempting to perpetuate the idea that it is 
that global warming isn't happening have major stake in energy yeah and the way that we gather energy um so yeah i don't i don't really know what non-believers in global warming um like what do they tell themselves like, it's such a yeah i don't know word. i think a lot, the rhetoric i've heard is that well it's not so much human um like it's not so much that humans have done this it's that the earth is just happens to be rotating closer to the sun and it happens every x amount of years that's like the only dialogue that i've heard that that is a counter the earth is warming that it's like they could kind of listen to and almost go like okay maybe like okay maybe but there's also like way more people (laughs) in the earth than there's ever been there's like 7 billion people on the planet it's really insane it's there's a lot of people I mean I'm like I said I I lived in a cabin the last three years out in the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington we travel for a living Um, so we're constantly on the and that's always the number one shock to me is how many people there are Really? Yeah, it's just it just blows my mind because every single person has a story. Every single person has a set of desires and likes and joys and, and goals con- con- and hopes. Goals, hopes, uh, consistently different set of experiences. I mean, that to me is just crazy. That, that, that like you and I are sitting here communicating with this language we didn't come up with. Yeah. And we've experienced completely different lives, but yet we can agree that specific words that we're mouthing mean the thing yeah, exactly. that they mean. And we're agreeing on that. And then we're like, oh yeah, and this dollar, this is what this, this dollar has a value. So this is, you know, it's like we're constantly it's agreeing. Really that works. And then there's so many of them and there's so many people and we still function as a society. It's yeah. really amazing. It is really trippy being sat here with you because I'm trying to remember when the first time I saw you live was. It was several years ago. I want to say it was as far as maybe like 2013. And I've seen you almost every time you've been in New York since. Oh, thank and you, man. Yeah, of course. You put on a fucking amazing show. And thank most you. of your live band are the same. I remember, I remember a really hot day. No, I remember... Wow, going back as far as 2012, I remember a really hot day at Firefly Festival and just seeing oh, how you guys oh. were like amping each other up. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, wow, that was a totally re like, the, I think the only same people that are in the band now that, well, the, my drummer, Drummer's my guitar player, yeah. guitar player, the same. Um, yeah, that was hot. That was a long time ago. That was yeah, fun, though. That, that was, was a really times. good time. Yeah. You know, with that, there's just a handful of things I'd love to ask you pertaining to just things that happened a while back. But you just touched on something really interesting there about the cabinet you have. And, you know, as someone like me who lives here in New York, lives in a city, it's going to be probably the most rudimentary question you'll get. But what's it like coming off the road and going back there? Like, what's that It's amazing. Like? I mean, I don't live there anymore. I just bought a house in Spokane, Washington. I live in Spokane now. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, you're good, Jay. It's um, it's great. I I don't. I was in Seattle for many years, yeah. and I love Seattle, but it's it was full. It's really full, um, and it's really uh, expensive. And as a musician, um, living in the city, like you know, I just can get more bang for my buck living in the country. So I decided to live in the country. There's obviously drawbacks. Like for the last three years, I didn't have internet. Um, <laughs> oh cabin. wow, Jesus! Yeah, yeah, which sucks. Why I mean, didn't my brain go there right away? Of course you wouldn't. I guess. No, I didn't. I had I had cell service and we could like tether off my phone. Yeah, but um, no, I could not get internet, and that's eventually what led me to move from there. <laughs> it's because it was like in order for me to be sort of remote, yeah, like that, I've got to still be connected 
in some way, shape, or form. Especially considering what you do. Yeah. Like profession-wise, it's just the internet is part of what you do. It's a major part of what I do. If not, I mean, the music is obviously the most important, but being connected to not only my fan base, but to my band and to my management and to the label is like immensely important. Yeah. Yeah. A place that's very special to me is uh, Sweden. I lived there a couple years back. And I know you did a good chunk of the writing for a radio there. Yeah. When I read that and I was like reading you talking about it, I just really wanted to ask you about it. Like as soon as you wrote about that, like it was like years ago, but now that I've you sat here, I mean, do you ever look back on the time and was it a fun time for you? Amazing. Yeah. I love Sweden. What was it that brought you there? Like, uh, Tingsek. Tingsek, who produced my, who produced Radius lives in Sweden. He lives in Malmo. Yeah. Was it a bit of a no-brainer for you to go there? Or? Um, well, I went there just initially to write with him yeah. and just to write songs. And then um, we'd been friends for a while before that. Yeah. And we did like the first three songs. I was like, we should just do the record here. This is really great. Yeah. Um, we did some of the most of the record there, like 85% of the record there. And then some of it in the States at my, at my cabin. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then other there was a couple songs on it that we did in LA with different writers as well. When I was there, I f- it was initially to be there for two weeks, and that two weeks transformed into three months. A mixture of like work and much needed uh, separation from here in New York. I wonder though, did you find yourself, like, d- did you find yourself kind of, in- not maybe not inspired, inspired so much of a strong word, but did you find yourself liking the environment more so than you even thought you would? Like just being there within Sweden? Um, yeah, I, I, being in Sweden, for me was I mean there's there's just so many talented people living there in such a small condensed space I mean there's what like I think I it's don't, four I don't, or five million people yeah there's like the four or five country. million people in the whole country and there's just immense talent coming out of that space yeah. which is really special um I feel the same way about Australia. There's like 20 million people in Australia. And And they're all pretty spread out, which is crazy. Super spread out. But the amount of artistic talent coming out of that country is bonkers. Um, Some like my favorite actors are Australian. My my fiance is Australian. Oh, no, I didn't Um, know that. So, yeah, there's there's these small little pockets. Norway is the same way. There's some really talented people from out of Norway. And there's something about places like that that just... Rem- I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned these places because I've noticed this with the times I've been in Australia as well where and Sweden. It's just like... They speak English, it feels Western, but at the same time, it feels completely different. Mm. And it almost makes you feel... The level of comfort you could feel there just in your everyday life, it's almost like... It's just not as loud as it is here in the States. Or at least I personally felt that at the times I've been there. Yeah. Well, you, how long you lived in New York prior to going to Sweden? That could be oh, that's it. a good question. Let me see. <laughs> I was in Sweden in 2013. I moved to New York 2008. New York City 2008. So quite a bit already. Yeah. And I had been out of New York for like several times before. But there was something about that particular time where it was just such a necessary... Like, it was the type of thing, I remember getting off the plane in Orlando in Stockholm, and, like, with it, like it was a very hectic thing, getting off the plane and getting into the city for me, but I remember once I was in the city, it was just kind of like, oh, this isn't New York. Like, the calm was immediate. Yeah. Well, New York's like a special beast. It really New- is. Oh, yeah, it's like... Man, I'm trying to... I mean, you've been here so many times, it must be like a... Like, it must be one of those second homes for you in a weird way, isn't it? Yeah, New York, LA's kind of like that, um, Nashville's sort of like that, Seattle's definitely... Well, Seattle's like a first home, but the rhythm in New York City is just different than anywhere. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I've never been to to Hong Kong or Beijing or something like that, but I would imagine that those... The energy in those cities is probably pretty comparable to New York, but yeah, New York's like 
New York, New York will fuck you up, dude. No, New York really will like, like chew you up and spit you out if you don't have. Yeah. One, my be, my best friend moved here six years ago. When he moved here, I was like, "What are you doing? You're <laughs> fucked. Like, you're so fucked." Like, How old was he when he moved here? He's like 24, 25, okay. and he's like, "I'm gonna be an actor." Oh. And I was like, "All right, dude." And he's he's doing great. He's yeah. getting work. He's like kicking ass he's still excited he's like still amped and i'm super proud of him but i, I don't i don't know if i could do it you yeah, know because it really is like i mean one thing i'll say about this place for sure i it, i was actually tweeting someone like a friend i was tweeting a friend who was come like kind of having a venting session i was tweeting them about the city and they were just going like why do i find myself hating this place because such a great place and i was tweeting at them like I feel like to survive here and to be a sane person, you have to have an equal amount of hate for this place as you do love. <laughs> like, you need to balance that. Otherwise, you can't love it all the time or hate it all the time. It has to be a mixture. Sure, of sure, sure. Yeah, that oh, makes sense. Completely. You know, uh, you know. here's a big New Yorker question because I was at this gig for you and I mentioned it downstairs. Uh, I think it was maybe two or three years ago. You played the Apollo. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, what was that like? <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it was like a dream come true for everybody involved. The, um... I mean, the Apollo is like one of those iconic gigs that everybody's played. Like, if you play soul, R&B, funk music, even you know, even rock and roll, like the the your favorite players have played in that venue and probably recorded some of your favorite records in that venue. Um, it was really special uh, to, to have the opportunity to to play songs that I've written. Uh, with with people that I love, and my yeah. band and Bernhoff, our buddy Bernhoff played with us that night. Yeah. Um, it was just an honor. It was just an honor and a thrill, and uh, um, it was super humbling, you know, to yeah. think about all the history that's gone through that. Do you know what's so funny is that even though it was years ago, I do still specifically remember between almost every song, you would turn to your band members and look at it and you just had this constant look on your face like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah. it looked like you were even surprised that you got, were on stage. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm constantly surprised that people <laughs> show up to our shows and uh, that, you know, we're able to pay our rent with with music. I'm still kind of... Uh, it's it's bonkers. That's such a beautiful feeling. Uh, you know, another thing I remember. This is like <clears throat> I think this is definitely about two years back. I remember at Bonnaroo, you were part of the Super Jam that night. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. dude. What was because uh, you again? You had like just a constant smile on your face, being surrounded by everyone. Like, what do you remember that night? Totally. Yeah, we did. That was Kamasi. Yeah, and Kamasi did the um, the BB King um, tribute. No. No, excuse me. It was it was, was it Tennessee. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did uh, he did artists from Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got to sing a BB King song. That was great. I mean, I'm such a huge Kamasi fan, um, and just recently kind of had the ability to to connect with him at different festivals and yeah. What a sweetheart, man. The guy's a gem. I mean, yeah. he's a beast of a talent, but he's just super kind and like down to play music with whoever whenever he's really cool it has he has that vibe to him and i remember that specific super jam a lot because i feel like i've been to a couple and they've all been relatively good but i feel like this one's particularly it felt like everything was considered like the aspect of because the thing with the super jam that's interesting is that it could get a bit sloppy near the tail end or even the middle end. it's like that's the aspect and the vibe of it. But with this one if like every single segment was like this goes into this this goes into this oh, cool. it had a really good vibe to it yeah yeah i did um I did one with Michael McDonald at a festival called Okeechobee. Oh, really? Where is that? Uh, 
that it was in Florida. Um, and that one was really fun too. Just because I'm so, like singing with Michael uh, was really special. That must have been really beautiful. It was super cool. Was, and he's and he's a sweetheart of a dude. Yeah, you know, considering that you performed naturally recently and you're also here to perform in New York, I imagine that you must have been working on a new album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it sound like? Yeah, we've been writing a new album. It's been in the in the works for man, we've been writing for about a year now. Um, uh, we haven't figured out exactly where it's going to sound because we haven't started cutting the tracks yet. But oh. we're uh, working with James Adele. Oh wow! Um, he's going to produce this record with us. It's me and the band are going to put together a record. We're going to start um, tracking in January for it. That's awesome. And That's great that you're going to have the band on as well. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it together. Um, I think we're going to cut it in Nashville. Is the plan? Yeah. And you know those things. I, I always feel like the best, the best records that I've worked on sort of. And you're constantly attempting to try and reinvent what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it all happens like in the moment. You sort of have like a escape of where you're gonna head, and you have you put the songs together obviously before you get in the studio. But um, until you're actually like in the cockpit flying the thing, yeah, you don't really know what the scenery is gonna look like. So that'll kind of come to come to grips. But we've man, we've written probably 25 30 songs for it so far oh that's amazing and, yeah. and we not just you like collectively as a yeah band i mean together. the band wrote about 15 songs together i've been working with i worked with krasno eric krasno who yeah. does like soul live and lettuce um i worked uh with mike posner as a buddy of mine oh, we shit. wrote some songs for it um who else did i work with i worked with jamie liddell i worked with him for a week and we wrote some songs i'm gonna do a session with um Joey Dosick and Theo Kassman yeah. um, as well so uh, yeah just trying to accumulate as much as much little egglings as we can hopefully they hatch into chickens yeah I bet they will dude you yeah. know I've usually asked this question after a record's up but I think it'd be pretty interesting to ask you considering like at the start of this whole I, I, like naturally when you release a new record I like people ask you about the making of it and like everything that happened mm. at the start. Mm-hmm. I, a big thing I love to ask is finding out if the start of making a new record felt different than the last one. But I usually ask that after record's done. You're about to go cut some trucks. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like a different beginning? Like, does this feel like a different start than yeah, the beginning of Radius? Yeah, I definitely feel more centered. I feel like I have a better understanding of who I am and my identity and where I fit and what's important to me. Um, it's tough to go back and, and know exactly where you were at, at a specific time or place. Yeah. Um, but when I wrote, when I wrote Radius, there was a, I had a lot of angst. Um, there, there's a lot of um, music on that record that uh, that I think I wrote from a position of um, self-loathing, sort of. Uh, and I don't feel that anymore, which is good. I that must think, be cathartic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think on Radius there was this like influx of so many. I like took it on my shoulders to be like the purveyor of like no computers on stage. Oh yeah. And in the studio, like no, like we're not using the player piano, you know, like we're not yeah. using any instruments that play themselves. And I got so wrapped up in this whole world of live music, where there's you know laptops on stage and there's tracks and like everybody's using tracks and yeah. 
and I got so like upset that this was happening that that, that it was you know almost like cheating it was like it was like the fast food industry you know yeah. it was like we're robbing the the concert goer of real live music because there's so many fucking tracks on the stage through the through the time frame of radius i was so peeved about this and it was such like a huge i i, I used so much um of my mental like real estate to think about this thing that I think it just really robbed me of some of the time and joy that I could have had from just playing music and being excited about that's the opportunity to sing and yeah. that's interesting you saying that because I think I remember seeing you at Terminal 5 and I think you even made a mini speech about how there oh, were yeah. computers on stage oh yeah I did it I was like just on one all the yeah. time like hey you know like <laughs> we don't use any computers all the while like everybody else is just like that they're like what the fuck <laughs> is he talking about <laughs> that's amazing you can look back and feel that way now though that you can kind of look look back and be like what the fuck was I talking uh, about I was just I was just on one you know I was like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the savior of live music which is no computer like don't use the MacBook on stage you yeah. know like you're you're taking the mark of the beast bro yeah you know like you're you're going over the dark side <laughs> and it's like nobody cares yeah the end it of came that came to the end of the day it was just like I care, which means something to me, and the guys that I play on stage mm -hmm. means something to us. But nobody in the audience gives a shit. Exactly. <laughs> like nobody in the audience is like, "Boo, he's got trash." <laughs> Can you imagine that happening at like a Radiohead concert? <laughs> no, I mean it's like it's yeah. It's, anyways, that, I was pretty deep into that on Radius, and I've since let a good amount of that go. You know, it's interesting hearing you say all that, especially in regards to how this talk started. What I brought up, like the engagement video and um, the naturally in the song, because I feel like something that I've loved about you over the years, and I think it's something that's constantly grown and has been a big staple about you, has been positivity, and not just within encapsulated within you, but I feel like you very much feel that when you're in a room and you're performing for people or even talking to other people that you must project positivity so people can feel positive yeah totally well this is gonna sound like pretty like you know straightforward but I like I feel like we could go into this, some mileage in this like why though like why do you feel that positivity is important to you oh man I think like you know it's just I just want I like being happy <laughs> it's really about me I mean in honesty it's I love feeling good yeah and when everybody around me feels good I feel better so it is a self-serving emotion and um, expression uh, but you know there's enough awful things happening in the world yeah there's enough bills to be paid there's enough negative energy flowing out there that I don't need to add to it yeah. um, it just doesn't res resonate with me negative people and I've been in those ditches before and I've been in those like foxholes and they're really hard to get out of so I you know I always have um, uh, an understanding of people if they're in those positions if they're feeling specific ways yeah. um, but as far as the way I express myself and how I'm gonna give love to people I always want to make sure that folk um, just feel good when they're around 
you know that's beautiful yeah. you know in relation going into that a little bit in relation to what you said before about how you felt during radius I remember when I was 19 years old I remember um, I had a friend who got really into volunteering like mm. it was a thing they were doing and I remember how overtly positive and uh, how good they felt about it I remember at the time my reaction to that was like it felt phony at uh, the time like I felt like you you wouldn't do this if it didn't make you feel positive yeah. like you know it's so yeah. fake but now that I'm older and I have some years and I look back I'm like what a stupid thing to think it's like the person's helping people well but it is I mean in reality it is about you yeah and it, it has to be though it That's has true. to be about you in order for you to want to do it yeah and and, and like I want to say like within every facet of life really like you know I, I'm I'm a believer that everything in life is self-serving so if there's a way to manufacture really good things that positively affect everybody else and be self-served as well, those are the things you want. Like everything's self-serving, but there's some things that are negatively self-serving. So <clears throat> going out and cutting somebody's legs out from under them yeah. financially, maybe it oh, serves you, you in the long run. You see, you did the hand motions as you said that. I thought you meant like actual physically. I'm like, oh, I'm such a Well, even that. Like, so. like, you know, like, you're like, well, I don't want, I don't want you to be taller than me anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to dice your legs off here, but you know, then your well, homie's cousin's going to come around later. I love this because people listening are probably thinking, why do you think it? No, you made that motion of cardio. Oh yeah. Yeah, they can't see the <laughs> listeners at home can't see my my karate hand job. Um, no, but going into what you're saying, that's very true. Every, in, in, me personally, I believe that everything is self-seeking. Like yeah. we we consider ourselves in every situation, um, but our actions can positively affect everybody around us, and that in turn serves us. So. Unfortunately, people who haven't learned that are the, the, the people are who, who are destructive and they take advantage, they manipulate. They don't understand that if you positively affect other people, it comes back to you in, in droves. Yeah. That's where I'm at, you know? Like, luckily I was raised um, well enough to, to understand this and I've been through enough life situation to, um, to know that that's how you live a happy and fruitful life as you treat the people around you and the people you meet you treat them with love you treat them with respect you, you treat them the way that you want to be treated because if it's not always going to come back around to you yeah. but it's the way that you feel best yeah. you know and um i don't know i just i prefer not to be negative there's enough there's enough negativity out there fox news has that real estate covered that's very true um you know i can be a little positive al who's <laughs> you know talking about fun happy that's a very good point i don't think you'll ever hear someone say anyone okay let me rephrase that i don't think you'll ever hear anyone sensible or sane say that there's too much positivity in the world because there isn't no no there never can be there never can be i'm what's funny is that you know the the dis disingenuineness i think that's a word disingenuineness yeah. my brother's like the most positive dude and for so long, I thought he was just disingenuous. Really? Yeah, I was like, dude, you, you like fucking with me, right? <laughs> like, nobody's that happy. And it put a strain on our relationship. Because I was like, I was like, Kenny's just, like, he's not grounded in reality, you know? Because he's just, he's so positive, he's so over-the-top positive that that he's, just, he's messing with me. He's got to be, you know? Yeah. And then we, we sat down. Uh, wow. As brothers one day, and he told me, he said, you know, I think sometimes I come off disingenuous, but that's just, I'm just really positive. And it was like, and it just broke my bass players the same way. 
he's the most positive dude ever. And like, when you first meet him, you're like, is this guy fucking with me? <laughs> like, is, is he being facetious right now? Cause you, you're genuinely used to people who like, they, there's a lot of cynicism. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, um, you know, negativity obviously is like one of the first things that people can connect on. Like, yeah. oh God, I can't believe the train's late again. Oh, this stupid airplane, you know, like negativity is this through word that a lot of people can connect on. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I prefer to flip that around and just make it positivity because I've learned that that's an also wonderful through word that you can use. I definitely would agree with that. You know, before I let you go, you know, we're going to be playing here tonight at Brooklyn yeah. Bowl yet again. Uh, we talked about, you know, how you're going to be making new songs. But, of course, you definitely have some new songs worked out with the band. You know, of course, I would love to know. Are you going to be playing new songs tonight? Yeah, we'll play a couple new ones. Well, yeah. I think we've played them probably in New York before. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have. they will be new to a good amount of the people out there. Does it feel good knowing that? That there's going to be people in the crowd that certain songs are going to feel new to? Like, what does that feel like for you before you go on stage? Like I said, you know, I just love playing. Like, I think there's... there's. I was listening to a podcast today... Um, this cat Sebastian Junger who wrote this book Tribe yeah. and he was saying that you know there's very few things that you can do that will instantaneously make everybody in the room join along like music's one of them like clapping you know if you get everybody to listen but they're not moving at the same thing like rhythm is this beautiful thing that we have with music that I think even down to our cellular base, like we communicate through rhythm, through our heart palpitation, you know, through our heartbeat, through our physical rhythms. We can't see it, but like anger and fear and awkwardness and all these emotions that you can kind of read on people, you know, a little bit. There's a rhythm happening, I think, in between connections of human beings without spoken word. Music to me is the ultimate language. It's like the ultimate thing that you can exercise that allows you to, even if it's Everybody, you know, yeah, everybody gets in. You know, just watching you doing that makes it makes, it makes you want to clap. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled to to be able to express that and to, um, man, people show up to the show still. Tonight was sold out a month ago. That's unbelievable. Um, it's like it's a thrill. I don't know, I don't know how it's happening. I don't know, you know, like, but I'm, I'm just trying to be a good steward of it make sure that everybody who comes through that door um, has as good of uh, a positive experience as they possibly can. That's amazing. Oh, thanks yeah. for having me today. My really pleasure. Really it, bless you. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Of course. Love's like venom And once the poison sets in I can't 